Talking about stuff, talking about things, talking about you, talking about me. It's none of our country, and we are celebrating. It is Canberra. Conversations in the capital. Hello, my name is Henry. Welcome to Canberra Conversations in the Capital. Today, inside the school hall of Saint Francis Xavier College in Florey, I am joined by Carl Bruton. O-A-M. A former professional basketball player and coach, Carl has been a champion in both roles within the National Basketball League. In the present day, Carl continues to contribute to both the sport and its community, running basketball programs and workshops around the nation's capital. He serves as ambassador to the game and role model to junior players, a title he upholds with dignity and distinction. A Hall of Famer, both on and off the court, Carl's passion for the game and its people continues to this very day. He's one of the greatest to do it, and I'm so flattered to be courtside with him right now. Hello, Carl. How are you doing, mate? I'm very good, Henry. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. We just had a shoot-around outside before. You beat me in a game of horse. Expected. You know, I, I can't, I, I'm happy I got two letters off you, but, oh. but, <laughs> but I wasn't expecting much more than that. We're here right now because you were just finishing up uh, your Bruton basketball program for today. Tell me more about this program and what it is. The program I run with the Bruton Basketball Foundation is geared up to teach the kids the fundamentals of the game, a safe place for them to have some fun uh, with some warm-up drills and mm. 22 kids involved at this stage. We've been running the program for eight years, yeah. and we've had kids go on to play in our local competition and go on to be representatives of the state, and some of them are using the vehicle to go to college and mm. university. So uh, we're very excited about the potential of taking this even a step further to get kids to experience overseas opportunities and and hopefully they can use basketball as a pathway to engage them more in their education and future employment opportunities. And in many ways, as you were growing up, basketball was a big part of your life as well. Thinking back to that, how much of a role did basketball play for you? Well, basketball was a sport that you can play by yourself. I played all sports. <laughs> uh, baseball, you have to have someone pitch it to you, you know. Yeah. Football gridiron, as as you know it here in Australia, I was a quarterback, so you have to throw oh. the ball, you know. And I used to throw it through tires and stuff, but then you have to go get it because no one, unless you have <laughs> someone to catch it, it's not it's not good. But basketball, you can go to the basketball court or put up a hanger in the back of your door and roll up some socks, and you can just shoot <laughs> through the hoop. And I always looked at basketball as being a a great sport to create your own dream. Mm. So whatever game you wanted to play against in your own mind, you can always win (laughs) at the end. So I started playing basketball probably 11, 12 years of age. I didn't make my first team until I was 14. But from then I was entrenched. I still played the other sports, but I gave basketball my my best shot. My family was a circle was small. I had two younger sisters and my mom. I lost... We lost our, my dad at uh, seven years of age, and that kind of took us off course. Yeah. Um, basketball then became sort of a uh, comfort zone for me because I can make <clears throat> peace and, and dream big and do all those things on my own. And then once I was able to make my high school team, uh, establish myself as a point guard, mm became a student of the game to learn how to play it properly. I was able to earn a scholarship, so basketball meant a lot, you know, in terms of me having to really put the foot down on my education, 
so I can graduate school and then be eligible to go to a university and and remain eligible through your college days or trying to get a degree in whatever field, which I wanted to major in radio broadcasting. Oh, and there you go. I was a DJ at the university <laughs> for a minute. and But then when I got to the radio side of it, I didn't really take to it. So basketball became more of a, mm. a sport that I decided to get involved with, with coaching. Yeah. And I'm probably one of the very few players in Australian basketball that's been a player and a coach and a player and a general manager and a general manager and a coach. Yeah, man. <laughs> a fair part of my career here. So basketball became such a, a key component in my life because it taught me so many different values. And uh, I have an acronym on the back of my T-shirts that I hand out to the kids, which came from my grandson, but it typified what my thinking and my values were all along. Being kind, being a kind person, sharing your your love or your passion for something with others, having respect for the game, mm. respect for yourself, respect for your family, using your manners, being <laughs> being re- respectful again in that yeah. in that way. But when you use your manners, you usually can open doors mm. and, and you can get through. And that's what my grandson tells me anyway. <laughs> and then it was all about the ton. The T was the trust in God, you know. This is a higher being that's looking after us all. To own your mistakes when you make them, own up to them so that you can learn from them and grow from them. And then uh, the end was to never give up. You know, whatever you do, if you're passionate about it, you don't call it work. Run, stun, and have some fun. You know, yeah, so man. I try to never look at it as a, a chore. It's something that I enjoy, and I try to always put my best effort into it. And that attitude that brought you to Australia to the NBL you said before as player and as coach talk me through some of these experiences in the NBL in that time as a player you know you're introducing yourself to your teammates to the game here the style of play I was trying to be the best possible player I can be here in Australia they started calling me names uh you know affectionately uh, <laughs> uh black magic and uh <laughs> Uh, black flash and then of course the black pearl and it mm. kind of stuck I n- normally have a black pearl earring and a necklace mm. that was a name that I was fond of too they said pearl shines brightly so yeah. I tried to live it I put my time into helping the game grow by developing a skill school so I can teach the kids fundamentals and how to play the right way then I opened up skills camps where the kids come in and they sleep overnight and we basically give them a schedule and they learn how to you know go from one to the next to the next and and being away from home for the most part for the Mm. first time Mm. then i started coaching national league the grown men you know my first coaching job won 15 games in a row that year i took geelong who was a team that's just come into the league uh to the grand final wow we lost uh, at the at the post against the (laughs) Strong Adelaide 36ers team or Big Hatch team. But uh, we learned a lot and we went on to be a very successful team from that point on. My belief is that when I was a point guard, being a coach really helped me grow in the game because mm. I had to be that much better than everyone else. Yeah. So fitness-wise, I had to do an extra schedule. Not only train with the team, I had to train on my own because I wanted to represent Australia one day. Mm. And so... You know, a day consisted of getting up at 6, you know, on the track at 6.30, doing my runs, 
Then seven o'clock, I'm in the gym lifting weights. And then I'm, from there, I'm on on the basketball court getting up some shots, and then I'm off to work. Yeah. So that's that's the way I started. Non-stop. And then in the evening, you sitting in a three hour training session with with your coach and the teammates, and and that was long and tedious. And the game helped me continue to try to find ways for the game to grow and get better. Mm. Like I said, I became a student. I go to back to the United States. I pick up all the information I can find, the videotapes, uh, uh, the, the lectures, uh, the CDs, <laughs> and bring them back and and try to convert them into action here. That's it. Now, in the NBL, we saw, I said before, championships as player and as coach. If I was to ask you for the fondest memories of your time in the league, do they sit up there or is there something else up there with them? Yeah, there's something else up there. I think, you know, as I get older, the moments uh, kind of fade from me, for myself, and more to my sons. And uh, watching them win championships, uh, like CJ winning his first championship in the NBL in Sydney mm. after the cannons folded and he was playing with me here. Mm. And to see him leave here and then go win a national championship That's was cool. very rewarding yeah. after what he had been through and I. <laughs> Obviously, representing Australia uh, at the 1986 World Championships in Spain. Nice. Even though I had an ankle injury, and it was wasn't very good. But from the point of putting all that work and making it that far, and then being able to stand, we didn't make the uh, the final rounds or anything. But just being on the court to compete and being the first to do it mm. was pretty special. Uh, coaching the Wildcats championship was was great because it was the most difficult challenge I've ever undertaken. <laughs> Having come in after they sacked the previous coach and asked me to step in, and because I was the general manager, it didn't, mm. didn't read well with other people, although sure. the owners was the ones that made that decision. Then as soon as we won it, they told me that, you know, they no longer wanted me as coach, wanted me to go back to, oh. to my role as general manager, which was a little disappointing because mm. this was my first time ever being a non-playing coach. That's it. And we won the championship. So uh, after three years of trying, but um, you know that was great. And then Brisbane winning a championship after I left Geelong to go to Brisbane to take them to their first championship was pretty special. And and Geelong didn't make the playoffs after they let me go. So I kind of <laughs> I kind of got a little buzz out of that one. <laughs> yeah. It's that that Bruton magic. Well, you know, we think that if you run, stun, and have some fun, and and you put your best foot forward in terms of your mental toughness and your extra effort, and you expect to be successful. Uh, that's the way I've always read it. You know, people probably see the hysteria and see me trying to chill, take a chill pill and be, <laughs> be still. But my whole attitude was that I wanted to win. I wanted to be the best player. I wanted to be uh, a champion numerous times. So I tried to do it on all levels. So won a couple of VBA championships. I went to Melbourne to compete. Yeah. They put up a SIBO championship. We won that. You know, <laughs> all Australian championship for the top four teams back in 1981. Ooh. They called it the Converse Super Challenge with the NBL champions, Launceston Casino. Then they had the West Adelaide South Australian champs, the St. Kilda team from Melbourne who was perennial NBL champions at mm. that point. And uh, we had uh, Geelong 
<laughs> and little old Geelong went there and cleaned it up. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> so that was always, uh, you know, when you come home with the trophy, you know that you put in all the effort, you know, very satisfying. That's it. Makes and, it all worth it. Mm, Absolutely. mentioned MBO Hall of Famer. We've mentioned, and this was, I think, this decade, Order of Australia medal for contributions to the game. Reflect on this, I guess, this idea of legacy for me and where you think your legacy is currently sitting, where your legacy in the contribution to the sport is at. Wow, that's a deep question. (laughs) I don't think about legacy that much as, as many others think about it and tell me you know know, they call me legend most places but then I can see legend being loosely used as well but in terms of um, legacy is when you start actually making a difference in the next generation Hmm. so my tact then was to to really put my work shoes on my work boots and get out there and try to create the next Cal boot uh, Hmm which just happened to be Cal Bruton Jr. (laughs) And I started pushing him and directing him and guiding him. And then it was his older brother, Elliot. And then it was his younger brother, Austin. And then all four of us go out and play. And that's where I feel my legacy is. I have five sons that play basketball, coach basketball, Mm -hmm. live in different states, making contributions to basketball. And that probably more so... even with my grandson now playing for South Australia and repping it is the legacy. I think what I've achieved, I think that that stuff is is great. Uh, Leading score, led the league in assists, led the league in free throw percentage, led the league in three-point percentage. I feel across the board I've I've done that, not in in rebounding. (laughs) (laughs) Once you're able to affect others in the way they look at the game, that's – the impact that I choose to make. You know, uh, they can see me out there having fun on the court, so they want to enjoy it as well. Mm, mm. They can see that my teammates are enjoying the game is with me. You can also see the fans, you know, can't wait to get to the stadium, you know, <laughs> to see what's going to happen next. You know, I like to throw passes to entertainment between my legs, behind my neck, you know, anything I can do to get them on the edge of their seat, and if they look down and drop the popcorn, they missed it, you know, so... That was my attitude. Um, I loved it. I played even after I left the com- real competitive stage. I still played a little social. And obviously, uh, I picked my opponents wisely these days. <laughs> I played against the little t- under 12s and stuff. So I can dominate. That's, that's what we played, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's, that's so good. And hey, you're talking about the community, right? And, and bringing it to the community now. The contribution that you've made to the community, it's not just in Canberra, it's around Australia. You were doing some workshops, not just here, but interstate as well for First Nations people around Mm. the country. Do you want to talk more about that? The opportunity to move around in different states and particularly the remote communities where no one seems to want to go and assist the young First Nations kids with their growth of the game. I mean, they're doing a few things now, uh, but I thought way back when I'm, played with Danny Morsu, who was a mm. 
one of the first Aboriginal players to win an NBL title. He was also an Olympian, dual Olympian, and um, and he was my backcourt teammate. So mm. I decided then I wanted to go find the next Danny Morsu. So I started traveling when I was in Perth to the Kimberleys and Kalgoorlies and, and just in the red dirt. And then I started traveling further, going to Darwin, Northern Territory. Mm. And of course, I was able to see that my reputation from playing around the country as a basketballer, running camps and affecting the people that uh, come to watch me play, their kids, hmm. was a good end and a good platform to work from. So I started creating the Bruton Basketball Foundation. It was called Bruton Basketball. It's called the Black Pearl Basketball Academy. Hmm. You know, advertised through the community, get the elders involved, particularly in the First Nation space, hmm. offer the kids find ways to feed them, find ways to even put shoes on their feet. Once that formula settled in and Perth and in Broome and in Southwest uh, West Australia, then I started shifting to a different state. So Queensland became, mm. and going up to the, you know, as far as Cairns and then going down to Townsville and going through Brisbane and, you know, all the Rockhamptons and all. So I got a chance to, again, use the people that saw me play word of mouth, as well as use the community radio and television and promote the game of basketball. So that's been my calling card for a while. I had to obviously earn some money to look after my family. So I sold cars for 12 years, which I was oh, passionate wow. about okay. for that. Yeah. I sold luxury cars uh, here in Canberra when the cannons folded. Started with Mercedes-Benz, moved to Lexus. Uh, I was a top salesman there. Then I moved to Audi. And I won the Salesman of the Year Award three times around the country. And that got me trips to New Zealand and to Thailand and, you know, around Australia. So so I kind of really enjoyed the car game. Yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. Hey. I, had a, I had a little slogan that I'm the man with the plan to put the keys in your hand. Oh, there <laughs> we go. There we go. And then I sold Volkswagens. Uh, I finished up selling Volkswagens. And it's because my young sons were playing basketball on Saturdays. And I didn't get a chance to watch them play. Mm. So I used to organize test drives to drop me off at the, <laughs> at the stadium. And then you take it for a drive and then come back and oh, pick me up. Yeah. yeah, Just so I can say him and see him and say hello. But uh, yeah, I, I think um, basketball has just taken me to so many places. And it's given me the chance to teach or share my knowledge, I should say, yeah. uh, with all the people I've come across. And and I enjoy multicultural society here. Um, my wife is uh, Macedonian, mm. and so we're very in touch with the European side of things. I can see the game growing in the European nations. Yeah, of course, with Germany just yeah, winning the FIBA, World right? Cup. Yeah. yeah, and then of course here in Australia, we got when I came here, it wasn't any NBA players. Mm. And then of course there's Luke, and then there was uh, Andrew, and then there was Andrew Bogut. And, yeah. And then Patty Mills, and before yeah. you know it now, it's 13 yeah, it, players right? in the NBA here. So I feel I had a, a incy wincy bitsy little piece to do with that. At the very least, yeah. I think. Um, and I'm still doing it today. That's it. And hey, you said before, you like to you, you like to help out the next gen, right? Right here, right now, what, is some, what are some of the key advice you might give to, to some of the young hoopers out there? Well, you have to work at, particularly, again, the fundamentals. You have to believe that you can make it going to be a lot of obstacles out there in front of you. It's just going to be that way, strategically put in your pathway. Mm. You know, 
And for me, everyone looked at my size and said, well, you couldn't, you can't do that against the big guys, you know. Well, kind of proved that wrong. But I believe that you have to really honestly try to be the best possible player you can be. And you got to be unselfish about it, mm. you know, and selfish at the same time. What I mean by being unselfish is that when you're on the court, you make the right plays, you create opportunities for your teammates to get better so they want to enjoy you. Mm. When I say selfish, I mean, when you're out here preparing yourself to be the best possible player you can be, you got to be selfish about that time. Mm. And you got to really look inward and put the work in, you know, because whatever you put in, you can take out. Yeah. But if you don't deposit it like that, <laughs> you got no withdrawal slips. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All time starting five. Who makes the cut? Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one because the different eras, of course, the different eras. So my era, uh, when I've come up against the guys, the f- mm-hmm. first person I'd probably pick would be Leroy Loggins. Leroy was just a great, great player. Six foot six, thin, skinny, left-handed, <laughs> can jump, can dunk all kind of ways, can play the game as hard as you like can shoot the ball, pass the ball, rebound the ball. He made everybody better on the court, yeah. and he didn't mind taking on the pressure. He had to jump around the shower to get wet. He was that thing. <laughs> but but he was a brilliant teammate who loved the game, and you can play through him. Mm. And if he saw you hot, he's coming to give you the ball. Mm. You know, He was just the ultimate team player. Yeah, he'd, be one of my, he'd be my first pick. Second pick would probably, much as I don't uh, follow much of him, but he was a great player. James Crawford, Alabama slammer. Played with him mm. on a few occasions, won a championship with him. The best athlete mm. you can come across in terms of the way he uh, physically jumped after the ball rebounding-wise <laughs> or, or defensive-wise, blocking shots, and then scoring like no one's there. You know, he can just jump over you and, and dunk the ball. Mark Davis mm. from the Adelaide 36ers was a rock. Mm. I hated running into him. You know, like <laughs> he was the one guy that used to line me up because uh, he's trying to set Al Green free. And I had to bump into him, man. I just tried to get a little bit <laughs> physical right back after a while, you know. Yeah. I won't let the audience know what I did, but, you know, <laughs> I made sure he knew about it. <laughs> but he was a ultimate competitor, great, great player, champion, and still looks like he can still do it today. Mm. The final spot, Al Green was probably the toughest guy I had to match up against. Mm-hmm. He was just, he won the stall gift twice. <laughs> and he's from New York, and all he did was yap, 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 yap <laughs> all game. But he scored the only player ever to score 40, 30, 40, 50, 60, and 70 points in a game yeah. in the NBL. So, I guess he earned it just from that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He's still my friend today. I'm the godfather of his son. He's the oh, godfather of my son. And we still keep in touch. I just saw him a few weeks ago. Mm. But Al Green, Leroy Loggins, 
James Crawford, Mark Davis, and am I the fifth or I got to find a fifth? I mean, you. Oh, no? I'm, yeah, I'm adding myself to a list. Yeah, you yeah. add yourself to that list. Yeah, I absolutely. know they be saying Bryce Cotton, <laughs> and they be pointing to say Phil Smythe, and <laughs> my son CJ. Yeah, he'd be all, he'd be arguing with me. I got more chips than you. Yeah, <laughs> I got six. You got two, <laughs> and only one of them you played in. So what are you talking about? He'd probably come up with something. Is there someone in the NBL right now you think is gonna is gonna take the step up, hit up the states soon? Something to make a bold prediction for right oh, now. Oh, they got they got this next stars. Uh, they're talking this Alex Saar from Perth Wildcats is supposed to be the best thing that's happened to Australia okay. in a while. He's seven foot one and he can shoot the ball, he can dunk the ball, he can block shots. So so he's looking the part. So go. they said he's gonna get drafted pretty early, top ten. Well, there we go. Uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. man. Let's bring it back local for a second though. You mentioned Australia's basketball scene. What about cameras? Okay. How is it in the present? Yeah. That's a good question too. Camera basketball kind of fell away when the cannons fell fell away. And that was um, pretty sad to see mm. because you didn't have the highest level that you can achieve, so everyone was really keen to get behind it. I thought we had a tremendous support at that stage in, say, 2002, three. Mm. Uh, we had a team that was capable of winning the championship, and because we didn't have our off-court management structure in order, we couldn't raise the funding as it should have been to keep us going. So camera basketball fell away at that point. The girls stepped it up. The Capitals yeah. won their championships. They had Lauren Jackson, all that. But then as money dried up there too, then they started to leave and that was the end of that side of it. But in terms of the junior development, we're looking for more coaches, obviously, to, to help the kids grow the right way. But there's a lot of good basketball that's coming out of Canberra particularly at the AIS or the COE as it's known now, the Center of Excellence, mm. as well as the NBA Global Academy. Mm. You know, these, like Josh Giddy comes out yeah. of the Global Academy. Uh, Proctor uh, comes out of the Academy. He's he's playing at Duke University. You know, you got some young kids that are now going to make a name for themselves in the U.S. and also – so camera basketball is producing that, and our local competition is is busy. But what holds us back also is just having two stadiums, and mm. they're, they're old as dirt. And, <laughs> and there's supposed to be some money coming to extend that, but, you, you know, you sputter the growth because kids are playing games late at night, mm. and then they lose interest because you can't practice anywhere because you – well, you do get one practice a week <laughs> at a venue, but it's just hard to maintain when you don't have – opportunity to grow the game so i think in terms of our population we do quite well mm. like we compete on the obviously winning a medal at the last olympics was fantastic we knocked off an nba team with mm. my son's adelaide 36ers which no one would have thought yeah, that would happen that, yeah. uh, the western conference champions of the nba <laughs> and I think, again, you see the 13 players that's in the league, and most of them are young. That's it. You got good? Patty Mills and you got Joe Ingles, uh, the oldest guys. But you got this whole flux of young, I'm talking in the 20s. Yeah. yeah there's a lot yeah. of of huge upside in Australian basketball, and I'm still feeling that I have a contribution to make. Absolutely. And, hey, this next question might segue quite neatly into what you were just saying there about Canberra before. I've been asking this to everyone this season. This is a season-based question. What do you think Canberra needs more of in this town and why? 
They need more courts. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they need more basketball courts. That's that's pretty straightforward for me. And that therefore will enhance the opportunity for more kids to play the game. With more kids playing the game and competing, then we'll probably bring in more coaches to coach these kids to get them up to scratch so they can compete at a representative level. And as we start getting more coaches in and we start doing more winning, now we start to develop a name for ourselves and mm -hmm. a, a culture, which is something that they had back in the day when we had the top team, the Canberra Cannons. It was like a culture. This is what everybody would be doing <laughs> on a Friday, Saturday night. They're going to the Cannons, you know. And I think that helped. So that's what I would like more to courts. see most, more courts. Absolutely. Mm. Let's talk the future then, shall we? Mm. Present, they need more courts. Future, not just them, you. Carl Bruton, what does the future hold for the man himself? The future is about Carl Bruton, the person loving his family and being around them as much as possible. And the, the Bruton Basketball Foundation and the Black Pearl and that guy <laughs> to just keep spreading the good word about what basketball can do for you. And understand that if you treat it the right way, it will treat you the right way and create and give you opportunities where you can grow your your own community-based program, you know, and I think if kids are involved in the community-based programs that you're able to encourage and uplift, that keeps them more on the straight and narrow than anything else. Uh, you know, you're teaching them about health and fitness, and they know about technology by being on their phones, <laughs> but they can also shoot videos, and they can concentrate on their education, communication, understand maybe the marketing side of the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, so much that you can do in the game of basketball off the court, hmm. you know, in terms of helping it grow, like writing your own, telling your own story. I think that's a, that's important. And I'm, I'm at the stage of, of developing some IT with uh, Zana, oh. uh, AI, I'm sorry, um, Big Dan. He's a, a major sponsor of my Putin Basketball Foundation. And um, we're about to set up something to have all the kids be able to download their information, their, their school grades, uh, their highlight film, whereby I can take that footage and give them some feedback, but also have someone, college coaches have access to it so they can yeah. see it. And then those kids can then have some direct contact with with some potential opportunities to, wow. to play basketball further. And that's innovation. That's mm. what that is, my goodness. Carl, before I, before I finish this off, I want to open the floor to you if there are any final things you want to say. I think the one final statement I'd like to see come to fruition is having more diversity and inclusion in the game. Mm. Uh, when I look around Australia, after 44 years of being here, I don't see a lot of black coaches, don't see a lot of black administrators, don't see a lot black executives, don't see very little black ownership. You can't grow the game if you don't have people in the right place that can not only teach it, but identify with it, particularly in a diversity space. You know, you can't have people in roles that are not suited for them in terms of working with underdeveloped, underprivileged kids. You know, you got to have people that can identify with them. And that's where I think Australian basketball can grow the most. 
in that space, when I look at the Australian team, when I look at the NBL, I don't see any black executives. Mm. Uh, I don't see any uh, women, black women in particular, but mm. you got a few more women like Lauren Jackson, who's uh, in She Hoops now in Basketball Australia, and, and Sandy Bondello, who's looking after New York City now in mm. Brooklyn. But you don't see that here. And that's, in my mind, is a place that we need to grow more and grow fast. Carl, when I first started these conversations all those years ago, I never thought I'd be sitting here chatting with a basketball Hall of Famer. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Folks, from SFX College in Flory, this has been Canberra, Conversations in the Capital. For one of the greatest of all time, Carl Bruton, and everyone involved with Bruton Basketball, I've been Henry Zhu. Stay safe, be kind, and we'll see you around town very soon.